What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin, but you can call me Jay Swag. And welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you stopping by, giving a listen, and hanging out with us here tonight. Tonight is all about <clears throat> you guys, the fans. Not the fans of the show, because there's not that many, but the fans of sports, because there are so many more of you. But you don't know that I'm talking to you. Because you're not a fan of the show, so you're not hearing this episode. So, what are we going to do about that? Hmm? Maybe maybe we share the podcast around, share it with our friends. Um, maybe we follow the Facebook page and the Instagram page, uh, Sports Talk with Swag. Maybe we follow on Twitter, STWS Cast. Um, I don't know, maybe we subscribe to the YouTube channel, Sports Talk with Swag, so we don't miss any of the new episodes when they're live-streamed every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., except for this one, because um, some people decided to stage a coup yesterday, and I couldn't mentally handle just doing a fun little sports podcast while that was happening. Um, maybe we... Maybe we follow along with the podcast on Spotify or any other platform where you get your podcasts. And then maybe we leave five-star ratings there. Um, And then maybe we all come back here and enjoy this podcast together with even more friends and fans. Uh, I don't know. Just one guy's opinion, though. I I don't know. But for those of you who are here live in YouTube right now, Um, or for those of you who are listening to the audio episode, I do very much appreciate you guys, my true number one, A1, day one fans. Um, Excuse me. Yes, for real though, I do appreciate you if you are checking this out. Um, How do you like this new camera angle? It's not too different. It's just a little more over to the side because um, I got stands for my monitors finally, um, so they're not sitting on books uh, stacked on top of each other on my desk. So now I have more room to kind of spread my, my computer monitors and stuff out. And then my mixing monitors, like my speakers are on their own personal stands. And so that's where the camera is high. Um, So you can actually get a better view of Eli up here. And then these two new additions I just made, um, the items themselves are not new at all. I've had them for years, but I just finally got them in frames and hung them up. We have a Langston Galloway signed uh, photo and a Darren Williams signed photo. Um, so that's pretty fun because I went home for um, Christmas and my mom gave me this big tub of stuff that I used to have uh, like growing up. And I found that Darren Williams signed picture and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then what else we have this isn't really an addition to the studio, but I got this in the mail today. See that? That's a Chris Paul rookie card. Pretty cool. Um, so I actually back back there. That's the that's uh, the book that Chris Paul wrote, and I have it signed. And then right there, if you can see. Um, I have more cards of his. I decided I've been getting back into collecting cards a little bit. 
And so I was trying to think like, what's a good way I can support and show my support um, for Chris Paul? You know, he's my favorite player, obviously. And I was like, you know, obviously, I think the first thing you think of is um, jerseys. Um, so I have a Wake Forest jersey of his. I have a Hornets jersey of his. And then at one point or another, I had a Clippers t-shirt jersey of his. And keeping up with jerseys with players um, is difficult enough because they're so expensive. But then if there's someone like Chris Paul, who's now on his fifth team, it's really expensive. Um, and so like the cheap versions are like $70. So I uh, can't really keep up with that. So I was like, I can do trading cards. Um, and so I have, this is his rookie card that, I, that just came in the mail, significantly cheaper than a jersey. And then I also have cards from when he was on the Rockets, Thunder, and Clippers, and then obviously have to wait a little bit longer to get one for him as a Suns player because the season just started about two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, why am I telling you this? I don't know, because it's uh, my show, and you can't tell me what to do. When life, throw me lemon, life throws you lemons, I make beef stew. And a knockish reference there. Anyway, this show is going off the rails already. Um, Tyler showing some love for CP3 in the chat. We love to see it. Um, if you are here live in the YouTube stream, say hello. And again, as, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or your own thoughts you want to share, please feel free to throw it in the chat. I love this being interactive. Um, but anyways, and for the audio listeners, um, who are like, what is this new camera angle he's talking about? What do these pictures look like? What about these cards? Uh, this is what you're missing out on when you don't catch the live streams. So make sure you're following on all those social medias already plugged so you can keep up to date and see whenever we're going live. Um, but with that being said, let's let's stop with the tomfoolery here and let's dive into what we're here for. So <clears throat> tonight's episode is about fan sports fan traditions. Um, and this, uh, the topic, this whole topic for the entire episode was actually, uh, suggested to me by Tyler, who is currently here. So Tyler, thank you very much for the suggestion. It was a wonderful suggestion and I'm really excited about this episode. Um, so yeah, so thank you to him. And just like Tyler, you can also make suggestions for what you want to hear talked about on the show. And I will gladly take those uh, suggestions and almost always do an episode on it because, um, you know, I'm not vain. I'm not above you. I, I need the help for topics sometimes. So I'm glad to take that, um, that help and that advice. So with that being said, <clears throat> I have compiled the list of, let's see how many I have, 14. 14 of the either coolest or funniest or weirdest or best or whatever <clears throat> uh, sports fan traditions that I could find. Um, now, I do want to clarify before we get into this, this is specifically kind of referring to um, sports fans and not necessarily the athletes or the teams themselves. So traditions 
like New Zealand, uh, the All Blacks, their rugby team, the haka they do before uh, their matches. That's not going to make it to the list as wildly cool as that is, which I highly suggest you uh, search that up and watch it because it's really awesome. Stuff like that. Uh, the Lambo Leap. Um, what else? What else? I can't think of anything else, but stuff like that is not going to be included on the list because we're looking more at like the fans and what they do and what some of the traditions that they have started. Um, and so I, I actually, you know what, now that I think about it, because I'm such a good podcast host, I forgot to add a couple to this list that we got from suggestions from Facebook. Um, so again, another plug for the social medias, if you follow, I ask questions all the time and you can, um, hear your stuff read out on the show. I don't want it to seem like it's like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to say it in front of all my fans because there's not that many people, but it's just fun. Um, okay. So let's start with some of these Facebook ones. Cause there's some cool, some good ones, some cool, good ones, some cool ones. <laughs> All right, this one comes in from Michael Sessa, um, and he says, don't worry, Mom, I got yours. Um, Michael Sessa starts us off with, roll call at Yankee Stadium is a classic, and boy, is it ever. And so for those of you who have never seen a, uh, have been to a home Yankees game, because I don't know if you can really hear it when you're like watching a TV, like the game on TV, um, it's definitely a better experience when you're actually there at Yankee stadium. Um, but so essentially what they do starting at the top of the first, um, is the fans, uh, known as the bleacher creatures, um, out in, in, in right center field will start. I don't know where they actually start. They may just start with like first base or something. I'm not exactly sure. There may not be an order, but they just will chant, um, each player's name, until they acknowledge them. Um, and I don't know when it started, but it's been going my entire lifetime that I've gone to Yankee games. It's happened. And it's just fun because, you know, so let's say back when I was going to games, you know, so they, I, I should preface, they also only do it in the top of the innings because obviously you're not going to do it when they're at bat or in the dugout. So it's when they're in the field. So it can sometimes take all the way up to like the top of the third because, um, you know, if the game's going quicker, then you don't have as much time. But so, it'll be like, Derek Jeter, bah, 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 Derek. and they'll do that until he turns around and gives them a wave or a salute or a whatever, whatever they want to do. Um, but it's fun. It's just a nice way for the fans and, and the players to acknowledge each other and, and cheer them on and whatnot and get the game started on the right foot. Um so that's always fun, and that's a great one to start us off. Um, it's a classic. Uh, and then next up on Facebook, this one comes from Mary, and she says, whatever that weird drumming slash banging noise is in the stands at Yankee Games, what even is that? Now, this is another classic Yankee Stadium fan tradition. And this one was actually, I don't know if it still happens or if it carried on into the new stadium, because from what I knew, it was a older gentleman who started it. 
And so I'm not sure if he's still around or if he still goes to the games or not. Um, but he would basically bring like a pan, like a, like a frying pan to the game and then bring like a, 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 I think a wooden spoon probably. And he would just walk around the stadium and I think it was for, I don't know, like a dollar. You give him a dollar, you can hit the, you can hit the pan. And so that was a classic soundtrack of, of Yankee home games. Another one where it's better experience if you're there, where it's just throughout the game, you're just hearing like a, just a, just stuff like that, but much tinnier and louder because it's a, a tin, it's a frying pan being hit really hard. But um, yeah, that was another fun tradition that you'd hear just throughout. Um, and it could, it could get a little annoying definitely, but um yeah, so that was a classic too. Um, and then another one from Mary where she says, here's one that's the coolest. Um, being at your first JMU football game and the Dukes score a touchdown and streamers fly everywhere. I don't know, maybe all college teams do that. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, so this is one. Um, yeah, so obviously if you don't know, I went to JMU as, as did my other siblings. Um and yeah, at their football games, every time the the team uh, scores a touchdown, um, it's just purple and yellow streamers flying everywhere through the stadium, um, especially the first touchdown. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. There's I don't know. I mean, there's so many colleges uh, in the country, so who knows? I'm sure there are other schools who do it, and I think a big majority of uh, colleges in the country who have a decent football team or a decent football program, uh, I'm sure have some sort of a tradition like this, maybe not streamers, but um, we do have a couple of other college football ones on the list, but yeah, that, that one's always really fun and you can get some really great pictures of that too. So if you search that, just like search JMU streamers on Google images, you'll get some really cool pictures. Um, yeah, that's a, that's another good one. That because that one's it's fun to do because you just get to chuck a streamer up in the air and watch it come down, and it's also cool to visualize and just see a a sea of purple and gold all around you. Um, it gets everyone involved. Um, a lot of times before the games, uh, especially like family weekend or homecoming or like the first home game, um, there will be free streamers just uh, out for you to that are being handed out to people before the game. So it's, it's something that's encouraged too. And, and you know, they like it. It's not like a, something where the school is like, Oh, come on guys. You're not supposed to do that. Like they definitely encourage it and they like it. Um, so he basically bought a ticket for each game. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I remember, um, just one random time I was watching a game back in like elementary middle school um, the TV broadcast like talked about it and talked about the guy. That's how I found out about it. And I'm pretty sure for a while he was just buying and he probably just had like season tickets. Um, but I think eventually the Yankees just started giving him season tickets because he became such a staple of the home games and doing that. Um, I'm pretty sure they just ended up giving him season tickets, um, you know, as a gift. So pretty cool. Um, 
What's next? Uh, Vanessa said on Facebook, West Ham blows bubbles. Um, this one I'm not familiar with because I don't watch uh, Premier League at all. But I'm assuming that's probably after every goal um, that they blow bubbles, which is pretty cool. I like that. Um, it's different. You're not going to see bubbles at many sporting events. Um, but soccer fans are creative in their in their uh, support of the teams. So I like that. That's cool. I'm sure that's another very cool visual thing to just be celebrating a, a goal and then you just see a, a, a wall of bubbles coming on over the field. That's pretty sweet. Uh, and then finally, Jeff Graves with the comment on Facebook says, when a player fouls out of a basketball game, uh, this, is, this one is another specific one to JMU, and the pep band calls out left, right, left, right as they walk off the court. Yeah, so this is another classic for for me and for my family. Um, so for those who don't know, the pep band for the JMU basketball games is truly one of the best in the country. And I know that I'm biased for thinking that, but you can like Google it. You can listen to any like sports commentators for college basketball. They will say JMU has one of the best pep bands for college basketball in, in the country. Um, and so one of the things that they like to do I guess I could say we, cause I was in the pet band as well. Um, that, I mean, there was a ton that they did, but that the one that he's specifically referencing is if a player were to foul out, which already makes it pretty rare of a thing, which makes it m- more fun to me and cooler because it doesn't happen. Definitely doesn't happen every game. And it probably only happens like once every five or six games. Um, if a player happens to foul out the opposing of the opposing team, as soon as that last foul is called and they're ejected from the game. And so they're walking to the bench, each step that they take, the pep band will call it out. So if they're walking, it's like left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And they'll keep calling it out until they sit down. And then the pep band goes wild and starts cheering like crazy. Um, so that's a, that's another one that's really fun. Um, it's there's a lot of hilarious stuff that the pep band does um, to really just get under the skin of opposing players, but also equally as supportive for the home team. Um, so that's a good shout. That's another great one that is always really fun to experience. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that the pep band would do. Um, a lot of times, if like a player traveled. Um, or had like a backcourt violation or something like that, they'd chant, you can't do that. Um, and if if it gets to the point in the game where it's kind of a blowout, and there have been times where there's a couple of games that I played at where it was, you know, in into the second half and it was like 48 to 24. And then, of course, you got to start chanting double your score, uh, which I can't even imagine being the away team and hearing that, like, that's just brutal. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, if, if it was, um, when it got towards like the last, like two minutes, maybe even the last minute of the second half of the game and Jamie was winning, someone would figure out the major, um, interstates or highways that the opposing team had to take to get back to their school and Jamie would start cheering them. Uh, so for instance, if you're playing someone who, you know, to get back to their school, you know, they have to take 81 North 
64 West. Like for the last minute of the game, the pep band is just going 81 North, 64 West, 81 North, 64 West. And it's just another one that's like just brutal and got to be like a, a knife in the gut for the opposing team. But man, it was fun uh, if you were a fan of JMU. So they have a lot of good ones. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to say that JMU has the best traditions or anything like that because I'm sure there's so many other schools uh, that have traditions similar to those, but that's just where I went to college, so I know those off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so those are really fun. So those are some great, great call-outs, great suggestions uh, from some friends there on Facebook. Um, but now let's get into the list that I found. Uh, this was just from a bunch of research that I did. So... The first one is the University of New Hampshire hockey. Um, Whenever the University of New Hampshire's hockey team scores its first goal of the game, a fish is thrown onto the ice, either to celebrate or to deliver a Sicilian message that Luca Brassi is dead. I'm pretty sure that second half is the joke. Um, But so I will say, I I did just kind of copy and paste... uh, a lot of this stuff from the articles I got it from and whoever wrote this first article, uh, just their sass was on, on 10. Uh, and they were really just being brutal to like every team, um, which I thought was unnecessary, but kind of funny, but also distracting. But anyways, so that's one that's always, uh, that's kind of weird that you'll see a little bit of a trend with that. Um, but the University of New Hampshire hockey team, who have a fairly good hockey program, uh, I might add, um, after their first goal of the game, a fish is thrown out onto the ice. Don't know how that started. I don't know who gets to be the uh, lucky person to throw a dead fish onto the ice, but for whatever reason, that is their tradition, and they love it, and it's very well known, so... There you have that. Um, next up is Wake Forest, uh, specifically their their basketball and football programs. Um, after so, I will say I, I saw this one on a couple lists, and this article said that it was after big wins, um, but another one said it was just after after every home game. So I don't know which one is more accurate, but take that for what you will. Um, so after either every home game or after big wins by, uh, Wake Forest football or basketball programs, students will raid the dorm bathrooms, um, and roll the October glory red maple trees lining the main quad, um, For the biggest victories, such as when the team won back-to-back ACC tournaments with Tim Duncan or took home the ACC football title in 2006, the quad is a virtual whiteout with the ground and trees looking like they've been hit by a one-ply blizzard. So that's one that I thought was both fun and obnoxious, um, depending on how often it's happened. So let's assume it's after every big win, um, which this author so politely pointed out is like every three or four years. Um, But so after every big win by the football or basketball teams, the students will 
get onto the main quad and just TP the crap out of it and just cover it in toilet paper. Um, and so like, that's fun. It's a big thing, you know, lots of camaraderie and, uh, community feeling and everyone's doing it together and celebrating and it's a lot of fun, but like, it's one of those ones where if you think about it too long and just too like logistically and, um, practically it's like, Oh, that kind of sucks because it's like, that's so wasteful of so much toilet paper. It's so it's, really bad for the environment. Again, kind of going back to the wasting of it because that's so much toilet paper that's not even going to get used now, let alone just being thrown all over the the quad. And then like someone has to clean that up. <laughs> like it's not like for those of you who know um like Goosey Night, uh the night before Halloween, um some people call it something else, but where I grew up the night before Halloween, people would go out and egg your house or TP your trees. And that's something that's like, oh, yeah, haha, it's kind of like fun tradition or whatever. And then you're kind of just left to clean it up yourself. But usually it wasn't that bad. It was like, you know, one or two rolls of toilet paper. But like this is an entire quad of a major ACC school um, with hundreds, if not thousands of people throwing at least one roll of toilet paper. Um, So that's like thousands of rolls of toilet paper to clean up. Um, and can you imagine if it happened to rain overnight after that happens? Like, yikes. Um, so that's one that is definitely, uh, in the moment fun and looks probably pretty cool. But like, as soon as it's done, it's just like, oh man, like this is just not fun anymore. Um, so that's Wake Forest. Um, Let's take a quick water break here. Okay. Number three on the list is Taylor University. This is a small, like tiny evangelical college in Indiana. Um, And if you know anything about college basketball, you know that Indiana is home to a lot of uh, big name uh, basketball, college basketball schools like Indiana, um, Marquette, um, I think Butler's in Indiana too. Um, I can't think of the smaller ones. There's a bunch of, yeah, but anyways, um, so what they do is basically on the, I believe it's the yeah, so it's the night before finals start for them. They always have a basketball game. And so part one of the tradition is that every student, I guess I shouldn't say every student, but every student is supposed to dress up in costume um, bef- like for the game. So it's usually a mix of like Halloween costumes and Christmas costumes. Um you know, because it's typically going to be like the first week of December. Um, so they everyone gets dressed up in costumes, and they it's always like a sold out game for them. And if you haven't seen the videos, their their arena where they played their basketball games, it looks like just a it's pretty much like a high school gym is where they play essentially what it looks like. So. <coughs> 
couple hundred students packed in there. You can imagine what it looks like. Um, and then they will sit in complete silence from the moment the ball is tipped until they score their 10th point, which is then where the gym, the entire gym erupts in celebration and the students rush the floor like they just like, you know, won the college championship. Um, I highly recommend looking up the videos of it. It's called Taylor University and then they call it their silent night. Um, it's become a, it's been a tradition for over 20 years now. Um, and it's obviously gotten more viral as the internet has gotten bigger in, in recent years. But if, if you watch the videos, it's so crazy because it's like, it's literally the first, however many minutes it is until they score their 10th point. Um, it's dead silent in there. So you can hear the, <clears throat> the players talking to each other. You can hear the coaches yelling out to their players. You can hear the refs. You can hear like just like the squeaking of the, the sneakers on the floor. Um, it's kind of eerie almost, like how quiet it is. And they do a really good job of all banding together and not making a single sound. Um, and then as soon as they hit that 10th bucket, it just erupts. And it's so loud. Like it literally is like they just won March Madness. Um, it's crazy. It's really cool. Um, this is probably one of my favorite ones if I had to, if I had to say, because everyone is involved and it's a, everyone's in on it and it's so easy to participate. It's really fun. Um, but it's also cool because it takes a lot of discipline from everyone involved in it. Um, cause it could so easily just take one student who's that, you know, that guy, that person who is just like, I'm going to go and just troll everyone and just not stop yelling the entire time um, or something like that. So, but that like never happens. And if someone doesn't really know what's going on and they accidentally make a noise or cheer, they'll immediately get shushed by like everyone else. Um, so that one's really cool. It's really cool, visual, cool to be a part of. <clears throat> it's just fun for everyone. So I highly recommend you go watch one of the videos or, I mean, there's videos of all of them. And apparently, um, it's happened 21 times. So it's been 21 years that it's happened and they have never lost their silent night game. So it's a pretty uh, successful gimmick as well, which is pretty cool. So that is a very, very fun tradition. All right. Next up is UPenn, University of Pennsylvania and their football team um, doing a toast toss. So before the 1980s, the, Penn, the UPenn band would play a song called Drink a Highball that concluded, Drink a highball and be jolly. Here's a toast, dear old Penn. Fans would take the direction literally and take a nip of a drink. When alcohol was banned from Franklin Field, students had to get creative, which in this case meant stealing a move from those cult interactive viewings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When a character in the film offers a toast, fans threw toast at the screen. Since the last line of the highball song is, here's a toast to dear old, pan, dear old pen, excuse me, students simply borrow the tradition. Now when the song is played, thousands of pieces of toast, or just plain bread, because what college student owns a toaster, are hurled onto the field. This being an Ivy League school, there's also a so-called toast Zamboni that was made by engineering students to pick up some of the projectile. So there you have it. So there's that one. The Not to be confused with Penn State, 
but UPenn, uh, the Ivy League school, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's every home football game. Um, before the game starts, they play a game, a song called Drink a Highball. Uh, and the last line is, here's a toast to dear old pen. And everyone just hurls pieces of bread onto the field. So I like that one because it's wildly unique and just, it's very weird. But it's, I think it's really funny too, just picturing thousands of students and people just hurling bread, slices of bread onto the football field before the game. But then also fun that engineering students, who knows how many years ago, uh, designed a quote-unquote toast Zamboni that helps pick up a lot of the toast. Um, that's fun. I like that. Again, it's, just get, it's getting everyone involved. It's easy to be a part of. Um, it's silly. But it seems like it's a pretty established tradition, which I like. Um, all right, next up is John Brown University Basketball and their TP night. So John Brown University, another religious school in the Midwest, becomes a mix of New Hampshire, Wake Forest, and Taylor University on TP night when the student body throws hundreds of rolls of toilet paper on the floor after the team's first basket. JBU is assessed a technical foul for the outburst, but nobody seems to mind. So this is another one. A lot of these you're going to notice is people throwing stuff, but luckily it's stuff that's very safe and it's expected and it's become tradition. But so more toilet toilet paper being thrown, um, but it's after the the first basket that they make. Um, and again, I don't know if this is like every home game or if it's just one specific one. I feel like it's got to be one specific one because that would be so annoying to start every single home game off with hundreds of rolls of toilet paper being thrown onto the court and then you get a technical foul and then you have to clean it up. Um, I mean, again, it's expected, so it's not like the coach is going to be super mad about it, which is what makes me think it's probably just one game a season. But again, just another fun, simple, silly one, but uh, following in the pattern of a lot of these other ones. All right, so this next one is um, probably the oddest one and the the weirdest one. Um, so let's just get into it. So it's the Detroit Red Wings um, and their octopus throw. So in 1952... Two Detroit brothers brought an octopus to the Red Wings' first playoff game and threw it on the ice. The eight legs of the cephalopod represented the eight games the team needed to win in order to win the Stanley Cup. The tradition continued for decades, picking up steam during the team's dynastic run of the late 1990s. Back then, the team openly encouraged the celebration, but now they have to look the other way, a result of NHL rules and Detroit law. The throwing of an octopus results in ejection and a $500 fine, but the Red Wings take care to note that a police officer must see the throw in order for a fan to be ticketed. So that's one that um, I, I I love hearing that, but it's just so bizarre. And like I, I, like, I just would love to be a, like the best friend of those two brothers in 1952 who thought, hey, we're going to our first, the Red Wings' first playoff game. I'm pumped for this game. And mind you, it's 1952. 
And they're like, how do we like, let's have some fun with this. Let's like be goofy. And they're like, well, we have to win eight games to win the Stanley cup. What can we do that symbolizes eight? An octopus has eight legs, eight tentacles. Let's buy an octopus. And you know what? Let's bring that to the game and then throw it on the ice. Um, just so bizarre, but obviously so impactful immediately because it just continued as a tradition from then on. Um, and it still happens to this day. Um, and like they said, you know, a police officer has to see the throw in order for a fan to be ticketed. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they, the Red Wings arena and the fans are kind of in on it and find a, a creative way to make that you know, possible that you can't see who threw it. But that's one too that I'm just curious of logistically of just like who decides who gets to throw the octopus? Like what's to stop like a hundred different fans from being like, I'm going to be the one to throw the octopus and they all bring an octopus into the game. Also, how do you sneak an octopus into a hockey game? Like that has to, like someone has to see that when they're checking your bag when you come into the arena. And so clearly that, you know, uh, employee has to be in on it and like allow it to go through. It's just weird. I just, I mean, it's again, it's one of those things where it's like you shouldn't overthink it because it's just a funny, silly tradition that an octopus gets thrown out on the ice, but they love it and they encourage it. So there you have it. Um, let's see. I have one here for Duke basketball, but it's not really specific at all. I think it kind of is just talking about, in general, just how the the basketball fans at Duke are just wild. They're just wild. I mean, they're called the Cameron Crazies for a reason. They're you know they paint themselves up, they dress up in funny costumes, uh, they have planned chants and cheers and distractions and stuff. So. I'm going to skip that one because it's not very specific and it's not just like, it's just like their fans are really supportive. All right. Here's another one that involves hockey and, uh, fish. This is the national predators. Most of these in-game traditions are fantastic. If you root for that specific team, but immensely annoying if you don't, that's why Nashville's catfish toss got started. Allegedly. A former Nashville bar owner told the Tennessean that he was the phantom fish tosser in the Preds' inaugural 1998-99 season. Bothered by Red Wings fans who filled the arena when the team came to play in Nashville, he and his friends hatched a plan to throw a catfish on the ice as a response to Detroit's octopus. The idea lives on in various forms, most notably with a new addition to Bridgestone Arena for the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs. The team announced before game one of its first round series that a fish tank has been installed and would be home to four catfish. Four wins per series, said Predators president Sean Henry. Four series gets you the ultimate prize. I like it. If you're going to rip off Detroit Celebration, might as well go all in and steal the symbolism too. So I like that one a lot. I think I actually like it more than Detroit's because it's in response. Now, it obviously wouldn't exist without the Red Wings and their tradition, but... That is pretty fun of like being people, <clears throat> being fans of the Preds 
and they're a relatively new franchise. And you have these Red Wings fans who are, you know, so gung-ho about their team that they'll make the journey down from Detroit to Nashville for when Detroit plays in Nashville. And obviously they're a, a, a wild fan base. And so they can, you know, of course you can get annoyed by them. And so if, I just love that it's an, an emboldened Preds fan who's like, screw these Red Wings fans and their dumb octopus tradition. Like I'm going to throw a catfish out on there instead. Um, and that the team has fully embraced it and they literally had a fish tank installed to hold the catfish for it. I just love that. That's so funny. It's just, it's a fun, silly, you know, kind of response to the Red Wings tradition. Uh, it's just all in good fun. And I love it. So now moving across the pond to England, we have Chelsea football and their celery tradition. For years, fans of the British Football Club brought celery to Stamford Bridge and threw it on the field, creating the kind of general mayhem you'd expect from English soccer fans. Why celery? No one quite knows. One origin story is that it was inspired from a lower league team that had its field overrun with celery in the offseason. The celery tossing, <clears throat> which was accompanied by a body chant, was halted after it interrupted a 2007 game with Arsenal, but fans still bring it to victory parades and away games despite it being the least nutritious vegetable. So that's one that's <clears throat> kind of like all a lot of these traditions. Not really sure how it got started um, and what happened with it, but nevertheless, it's a tradition that is still around. Uh, well, I guess it's technically not, but it's still a tradition that um, I guess it does kind of still carry on, but just not in the sense that it used to of where they used to literally throw the celery onto the field, but now it's more of like a staple of, like they said, victory parades and, and probably watch parties and stuff. So I'm wondering, so it says one origin stories that was inspired from a lower league team whose field was overrun with celery in the off season. So that makes me think that it was, they must have played that team at some point. And so they were kind of jeering them by throwing celery onto their field to kind of make fun of them. So that's definitely one of the weirder ones that when I saw that, I was just like, huh? Like very weird. But again, soccer fans can get very creative with their support for their teams. So kudos to them. Next up is Florida State University uh, and their Sod Cemetery. Uh, because stealing is second nature to anyone playing football at FSU, nice James Winston joke there, the Seminoles have made a tradition of plucking some sod from home team's fields after big away victories, then planting it in a cemetery in Tallahassee so fans can visit. This one I really like because it's so savage and so involved because a it involves you going and traveling to the away games to the other team's home stadium and then it involves them having to win that game and then you have to somehow get on their field <clears throat> grab a piece of their field their sod <clears throat> their soil whatever you want to call it bring it back with you and then go to this specific cemetery and bury it there um but I love that it's, excuse me, <coughs> I love that it's well known um, enough that like people will go and like visit the cemetery. Um, 
I, I, I'm assuming this one still happens, but I, I love that one. But yeah. It's so involved and specific and like very like it's savage, but I love it. It's, it's fun. Um, let's see. Next up is Texas A&M university <clears throat> and their 12th man. You know how to mess with someone from Seattle other than bringing up your love for the thunder. Tell them that they didn't invent the 12th man. That honor belongs to the students of Texas A&M who remained standing for the entire game in solidarity with the players on the sideline. So I had no idea about this one. Obviously, as the author alludes to, the Seattle Seahawks football team is infamous for their fans being known as the 12th, the 12th man. Um, because for those of you who don't know, there's always 11 players on a football field at one time for each team. So the fans being the 12th man. Um, and so this is just kind of that, but on, on 10, because it's A&M doing it for their football team, their, their, their student section, but they do it and they, in what it actually is, tripping over my words, is that they stand for the entire game but I like that it's in solidarity with the players on the sideline. Because that is something you never think of when you're watching a football game is that majority of the players and coaches are standing on their feet that entire time. And like you as a fan, you're either at home watching it on your couch, eating chips and dip, or you're in the stands probably sitting most of the time except for um, you know if you're about to score a touchdown or something and you get up in excitement or to see better. But to stand the entire game it's harder than you think. Um, maybe they get a break during halftime, but that's still at least two hours on your feet uh, for that game. So kudos to them for doing that. But that one's fun. Um, good solidarity with their team there. All right, next up is the University of Florida. And this one I, I put on here because you can't deny it's spread in its notoriety, but I, I hate it so much, but it's their Gator chomp. Um, so it says Gator fans worldwide will extend their arms and clamp them together like a Gator's mouth at sporting events, but also upon meeting other fans in airports, in business meetings, in a shopping mall, fast food courts. And that's very true because it is one of those things where it's like, it's the university of Florida have probably one of the biggest fan bases in the country for like college sports. It's probably Alabama, Florida, um, Texas, Ohio State, you know, just like those big colleges that have been around forever and have been, have had very successful programs. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where they literally just, it's this, it's all it is. And of course, it's something that they do at their football games and their basketball games. I mean, all their sporting events when, when anything big happens. But it also literally is something where it's like you can, if you just see like two people with University of Florida t-shirts on and they see each other, they just immediately go to doing that. And it just, it, it bothers me because I'm like, it's so dumb. And like, they do it like everywhere. Like the joke about it being like in airports or business meetings or fast food courts is like so true though, because it's like, I would not be surprised at all if I were to tune into, you know, a, a meeting tomorrow at work and there were two people who went to F the university of Florida and they're like, Oh yeah, let's go Gators. Um, ah, yeah. It's just one of those ones that for whatever reason just rubs me the wrong way. Um, 
and that's it. I, I, I got lost in the, in the shuffle there. That was actually the last one. That's how we, we, they rounded us out there. University of Florida with their, their gator chomps. Um, so if I had to say, I think my favorite one would probably be the Taylor University Silent Night, um, followed by the Preds and their catfish throw, followed closely, rounding at the top three, uh, with the Detroit Red Wings and their octopus throw. I think the Gator Chomp is probably last on my list just because I hate it. And I'm trying to think. I think the Wake Forest, the, the, the toilet paper ones are pretty low in there too because I just can't help but thinking about the, the custodial staff or the janitors who have to clean that up. And they're probably just like, oh, like, again, like we're really still doing this, especially like I brought up. The Wake Forest one, it's outside on their quad, and you have hundreds if not thousands of rolls of toilet paper being thrown on the quad. And it's going to be probably at night because it's once the game ends. And just imagine if it rains that night. Like, you have to either like wait for like immediately after the, the students leave the field to clean it up and do it like overnight. Or you wake up in the morning to see that it rained, and now you have wet toilet paper all over your quad. Like... Oh, that would just rub me the wrong way. Um, and it's just so wasteful. But um, those are those are some of those are some of the the most notable and well-known fan sports fan traditions that I could find. Um, let me know if I missed any and if there's any that you love that you wish had been talked about and I can bring them up in the next episode. Um, let me know which one is is your favorite and which one you think would be the most fun to partake in and which one would kind of rub you the wrong way. Um, but yeah, that's our episode for tonight. Um, again, make sure one last plug that you're following all of the social media accounts. Um, we love getting a follow there so you can stay in touch, uh, and up to date with when we're going live and, um, you know, just to keep up with when I'm tweeting about sports and whatnot. Um, and other than that, I want to thank you guys for listening and for watching. And I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.